Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Amen. Father, this is our prayer that all the other names, all the other gods in our life begin to fade away. Father, you never presented Jesus as the better of a bunch of options. You've always presented him as the only option. So therefore, we need to know all of the things in our lives that we are having as functional saviors. Father, would they start to peel away, oh God? And may we be left with the beauty of Jesus Christ. Father, can't nobody do us like Jesus. So Father, I pray that those who have trusted in him would experience him in the newness every day. And those who don't know him, oh God, may you present him today as the best and only option for salvation. So Father, we gather today to worship you. That is our goal. That is, that, that is why we gathered to worship you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, afternoon. It is good to see you. Good to be gathered with God's people, uh, gathered around uh, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm going to just jump in and, and be as honest as possible that uh, today is a heavy day. It is a hard day uh, for many of us. You, you heard Pastor Timmy's announcement. Um, and, and all of our first time visitors, we really are glad that you are here. If you, you ladies, if y'all want to come sit up here, y'all can. Don't don't be fearful. Y'all can come on up and sit down. Amen. Um, you guys heard Pastor Timmy's announcement. We've also sent out an email that uh, Elijah Peralta passed away on Friday night uh, and it, 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 it hit hard. Um, so so I'm, I'm just being honest. Our first time visitors, you you this really is an intimate moment for us. And so forgive us for the spirit of heaviness that we have in the room. Um, Friday night, we got a call from Ed and Tisha that uh, their four year old son, uh, Ed, went to the kitchen to get uh, some Pedialyte and came back and uh, their four year old son stopped breathing and um, called the paramedics and they came and tried to do their thing. And by the time they got to the hospital, he was pronounced dead. And um, you can't you, you can't prepare for that. That that's that's like a punch in the gut. It's just like the, the floor falls from underneath you. So the only thing we're left with is hope in Jesus. And one of the things, you know, I know about grieving for believers is we don't grieve as the world grieves. We always grieve with a sense of hope. And so I'm asking that you guys continue to pray for them. I actually was in Dallas uh, when I got the call. I was supposed to be there right now. I was supposed to preach there yesterday and preach three times today. Uh, but when I got the call, I, I redirected everything. And the pastor, shout out to Pastor Rick and the Hills Church for being gracious enough to allow me to change the schedule and change plans and just jump on a flight. And I have my whole family. Today's my son's birthday. Wave your hand, Jeremy. It's my youngest son's birthday. So we were there also, you know, celebrating his birthday. And he was gracious enough allow, to allow us to jump back on a flight and, and disrupt plans for him as well. So shout out to him. Um, but but pray, you know, for um, for the family. Also, shout out to all of those who were at the house yesterday. Uh, Tracy and Marsha and Io and Pastor Timmy. And there's some there that I um, that were there before I got there. Um, shout out to y'all. You know, it was good to see the body serving the body. 
That's how it's supposed to be. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice, but then it goes on to say mourn with those who mourn. So enter into a state of mourning is, is important. So shout out Wendell and everybody else that, that showed up at the house. A um, couple of things we, we just I want to touch on really quickly. First of all, grab your Bibles, get to the book of Jude, second to last book of the Bible. A couple of things I quickly want to touch on as you turn there. Um, if you have cards or um, anything that you want to pass along to the family, we are accepting that. We're trying to streamline everything to go through the church so that they're not getting bombarded from a bunch of different places. In fact, we're asking you to, in this season, to give them space to, to process. Um, but uh, Gabe is in the back. Wave your hand, Gabe. So see Gabe if you have anything that you would like to pass on. We, we're actually going to the house after uh, the third service, so we'll make sure that that gets there. Um, there's also a GoFundMe. If those of you who have Facebook, you can go on Facebook and see the link. It's too long to put up on the screens, but there's a link to a GoFundMe page. That's the other thing about the unexpected nature of, of death is that uh, financially it's hard to prepare for. So we want to make sure that the family is taken care of. We don't want them worrying about that. So if you guys could go to that GoFundMe page, um, let me also clearly say don't go to Epiphany's page to give uh, because that's a different that's going to a different place. Go to the GoFundMe that's on our Facebook, but you can also see Gabe or Lameek and we'll give you the link as well. And the last thing is a meal plan. We are preparing meals for them. Uh, because we don't want them to try to figure out how to cook. They still have uh, a toddler in the house, uh, Jojo, or many of you know him as Joel. So we want to make sure that, you know, the family is getting fed consistently every day. So there's a meal plan. See Gabe and we'll get you signed up so that you can uh, plug in to provide a meal somehow. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I stand before you with a with a deep spirit of weakness uh, in terms of uh, preparation for today. I was uh, literally preaching from Matthew 28 in Dallas. I was supposed to be preaching this, their mission weekend. So I was preaching on mission. And when the Lord redirected, um, as I sat on the plane, I um, was reading through the book of Jude and one verse uh, comforted me. So I, I kind of want to just work through that verse. Is that all right? Amen. Y'all be gracious with me today. Verse 24. It says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless for the presence of his glory with great joy. I want to preach today from the topic entitled kept and comforted, kept and comforted. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we stand before you today with heavy hearts and deep need of comforting. That family stands in deep need of comforting. So Father, would you be present there even now? Lord, many of us feel like Paul, we feel afflicted and persecuted and crushed and perplexed, but never to despair. We feel forsaken, but never do we feel destroyed. So, Father, I pray, oh God, that as we dig into this text, oh God, in this one verse, this simple verse, pray, oh God, that it would be applicable for our situation and our season now. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen. Amen. Kept and comforted. I have to be honest that when I received the phone call from Ed, the first phone call that Elijah stopped breathing, um, I, don't, I don't know, man. I just felt defeated. And I got off the phone with him and jumped on the phone with Pastor Timmy and we began to pray. And uh, when I got off the phone with Pastor Timmy, once again, I just felt a deep sense of grief. 
And we said we need to gather other people to pray. And so I, I just like shot out a mass text to a bunch of people, whoever I could. I was just going down my list and whoever I could figure out was on the list. I would tag you. And some of you guys were on that call. I sent a conference call number for us to pray because at, at that time uh, the paramedics were working on Elijah and uh, we were praying for a miracle and praying that God would do something. And I got off the phone and there was a little sense of hope. And then Ed called me again when he got to the hospital. Uh, and that phone call is, is still ringing in my in my ear. Uh, and I felt let down. I'm, I'm just going to be vulnerable. Child. And that's how I felt until I got on the plane on the plane and read Jude verse 24. This text, I don't know, man, it was like a warm blanket on a cold day. For those of you who don't know anything about the book of Jude, it is a very short book. It is about one chapter long and the writer introduces himself in verse one. And in verse one, it says, Jude, a servant of Jesus and a brother of James. And here's what's so powerful about Jude is that Jude introduces himself as a servant of Jesus and a brother of James. But Jude is actually a half brother of Jesus Christ himself. You would think that Jude would lead with his title. You would think that he would say everything I'm about to say in the book of Jude is important for you to to to, to make sure that you are applying because me and Jesus Christ are siblings, but he doesn't lead with his title of being Jude, Jesus brother. He leads with being a servant. Well, how wonderful would it be if we led with being servants instead of identifying ourselves by our titles? When I stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, Pastor B, what's up? He's going to want to know, are you a servant of my son, Jesus Christ? He doesn't care about your doctorate. He, he doesn't, he's not going to ask you about the work that you've done. He's not going to call you by any title. He's not calling you professor so-and-so. He wants to know, were you a servant? And, and the greatest way that you can show tangibly what a servant is, don't miss this. The way to serve Jesus is by serving his body. That, that tangibly, you have, to sh- you have to serve the body. And Jesus says, when you serve the body, you're actually serving me. There, there's a verse tucked away in Matthew 25. In fact, I'm going to read it real quick. There's a passage where Jesus is talking to some of his believers, and he says to them, uh, verse 35 in Matthew 25, he says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to see me. Now watch how crazy this is. After he says that to the believers, they look back at him and go, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we clothe you? When did we visit you in prison? They didn't even know these that they did this for Jesus. And Jesus says to them in verse 40, truly, I say to you, as you did to the least of these, you've done to me. In other words, Jesus shows us that the way you serve me is by serving the body. One of the things that uh, that that really encouraged me yesterday, I, I got off the flight and literally went straight to Ed and Tisha's house. And once we got there, I looked around and saw a bunch of you sitting in there serving the body. I'm talking about taking baby Joel and putting him in the tub, making meals for the families. There was a group of young ladies downstairs. I mean, a community was formed where they were downstairs doing the laundry for Ed and Tisha. And what I was seeing was servanthood. 
They weren't leading with a title. They were saying, I'm in the basement serving this family because when I serve the body, when they are in need, I'm serving Jesus. And many of us want too many titles. Many of us want too many positions. And the greatest position you can have is a servant. And Jesus, God wants to know, did you serve my son? And so Jude here leads with this title, servant of Jesus. Then he goes on and he doesn't even, he says, who's, who's my sibling? James is my sibling. And this is one of the biggest biblical affirmations that you can get in scriptures to the deity of Christ. If you want to know if Jesus was the Messiah, look no further than the fact that his own sibling served him. Some of y'all that got siblings, y'all know y'all ain't serving your sibling. But the siblings, James, served Jesus. Jude served Jesus. Mary, his mother, served Jesus. There was a point at the wedding of Canaan and she looked around and said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Why? Because that's the Messiah. And so I'm, I'm worshiping him. And so this idea of servanthood is important for us because it shows us serving Jesus is serving his body. Now, after he introduces himself, Jude, he goes into a doxology, which shouldn't be confused with a benediction. I'm not going to teach on this long, but a doxology ascribes praise to God. A benediction is different. A benediction pronounces a blessing over the assembled gathering. He ends here, the book of Jude, by giving praise to God. And there's a couple of things that he says in the beginning of verse 24 that deeply encouraged me while I sat on the plane on my way back to be with the family. Here's what he says in verse 24. Now unto him who is able. See, see, the reason this encouraged me, because the first thing that happens when tragedy hits, whenever hardship hits, whenever you're in turmoil, the first thing that you start to question is God's ability to save. It's the first thing we start questioning. I said on that phone call and we were praying and we were pleading with the Lord. And it's easy to get off the phone and find out that God didn't answer the, pr- the prayers and start to question if God is able. But Jude gives us assurance this morning. Jude, it's like he's screaming at you and saying, no, 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 your God, don't get it twisted. Your God is able. He's able to conquer death. He's able to bring life back. He's able to comfort your broken hearts. I couldn't even get through the first service. And I got back in the room and I was like, God, you're still able, though. He's an able, able God. And so many passages Many uh, doxologies end with this idea of God being able. Let me work through just a couple of them. Romans chapter 16, verse 25 says, Now unto him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. And now Jude jumps on the able bandwagon and says the exact same thing. God is able. Jude here does not look back at a time where God used to be able. He ain't looking forward to a time where God will be able. But right now in the midst of a season of turmoil, God is able. Anybody thankful that you serve an able God? Able to bring peace to that bad diagnosis. Able to provide even though you don't got a job. That's the kind of God we serve. A God that is able. He is not weak. He's not passive. He's not sitting in heaven surprised at what happened. He's able. 
And the question I think that we start to ask ourselves is because I never when I heard the when I got the call and got the news on Friday, I didn't question God's ability. I'm going to be honest with you. Can I lay it out? I'm going to be honest with you. What I questioned was God's goodness. I said, God, I know you're able, but why aren't you willing to do this? We're pleading with you, God. We're asking you to touch this four-year-old body. And God, may I know you're strong enough, but why didn't you do it? I read scriptures and you raised Tabitha like she was nothing. You looked in the tomb at Lazarus and raised him up. And so I know you are mighty. I know you are powerful. But why are you not doing it? Are you not good? That was my wrestle. And then I got to Isaiah 55 and realized that his ways ain't my ways. His thoughts ain't my thoughts. He's not limited by time. He, he, he you know, God, God, I love God because he's in the, uh, the past, he's in the present, and he's in the future right now all at the same time. And for some reason, I think I had to help God out. I got to help you to run the universe. I ain't got to help you. I trust you even in this season. Even in the season of heartache and so his ways ain't your ways his thoughts ain't your thoughts and the reality is if if you're questioning because what we do is when tragedy hits we got we say you know what ed and teacher are good people why do bad things happen to good people but the assumption you make when you say that is that we're good people you got to understand something because of the fall of Adam and Eve. There is no such thing as a good person. We are all born into sin and shaped into iniquity. And so the moment you were born, you were not born a good person. You were born an enemy of God. Oh, I ain't an enemy. I'm a good person. I help people across the street and I, I wake up and pray to God and you think you're a good person. But in reality, based on the holiness of God, your good ain't good enough. You need to be perfect. And so this idea of why do bad things happen to good people really only happen one time. Okay, see, I came back from Texas to preach Jesus. Y'all got to understand there is only one person that walked this earth that wasn't just good, but was perfect. That wasn't just good, but was spotless. Wasn't just good, but was I mean, no deceit was even found in his mouth. And he goes to a cross, a good person that it doesn't deserve death and hangs on a cross and dies for your sins. And at the same time, he makes a trade and he gives you his righteousness. I'm in I'm sitting in the hotel and I'm scratching my head going, why, why, why? And God is like, I gave my son, gave him for you, again for you. And he didn't even deserve to die. So there is no such thing as good people. The reality is once sin entered the world, it fractured everything fractured our relationship with God. It caused sin and it caused death and it caused tsunamis and it caused pain during childbirth. And when I when I consider that, it makes me mad. But in reality, I look forward to the day that Pastor Timmy read where we read Revelation 21, where there is no more weeping. There is no more crying. In heaven, there are no hospitals. In heaven, there, there are no morgues. I will not have to do a funeral in heaven. Because there are no funerals in heaven. I get to rejoice and bask in the glory of my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. God is able. God is able. And I'm not questioning his ability. You, you know, when Pastor Timmy was sitting with Tisha and he was talking with her, uh, she, she was expressing to him how she's not wavering in her faith. She trusts the sovereign God. 
She, 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 she's rooted enough in the scriptures that she understands that I don't understand why God did this, but I got to trust him. And maybe that's your testimony. Maybe you didn't know Elijah. Maybe you just got hardships and you don't understand why God does the stuff he does. It's okay. You know what I, I love about first Corinthians chapter 27? It says he takes the foolish things to confound the wise. Do you know how foolish the gospel sounds to someone who doesn't know Jesus that God would come down from heaven and get up on a cross for your sin but this is see so the gospel doesn't make sense from a natural perspective but I trust them does anybody trust the Lord in here so he says here he says God is able to keep God is able and my question then is what is he able to do here it is God is able to keep you Another place that rejoiced. When I got to this part of the text, I literally had to get up, go to the bathroom and do a quick praise break because I realized the heaviness that I felt and the burden that I was feeling. God was keeping me even though I was feeling that. Some of you in this room, God is keeping you in the midst of hardship. It's ever see Pentecost that says on this verse, he says, here is the greatest theme of victory to be sounded. The highest note of praise and adoration possible and the greatest assurance to the redeemed that God is able to keep you. And here's what I want to suggest to you, that God doesn't just keep you when you want to be kept. God is able to keep you even when you can't keep yourself. I got to that house last night and and. I looked around and I looked at the family and I looked at Ed and I looked at Tisha and I looked at Jojo. And let me tell you one thing, the strength I saw on them, that they were able to have conversations. And there were moments where Ed was laughing and they, they, they were there was a sense of joy in the house. And I was scratching my head going, God, how in the world is this house not crushed? And then I remembered, oh, God, Keppel, God, God, God is preserving them. And this idea of God keeping you, Jude, this ain't the first time he said that. In fact, I would argue that the book of Jude is only about the keeping power of God. Because over and over again, he says stuff like in verse number one, he says, Jude, a servant of Christ Jesus, the brother of James, to those who are called beloved by God, the father kept for Jesus Christ. He says in verse number six, the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their property dwelling, they kept in eternal chains. He says in verse number 13, casting up the foam, uh, the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom gloom, utter darkness has reserved forever. That's being kept. Look at verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Verse 24. Now unto him who is able to keep you. It is almost as though Jude is yelling at the top of his voice. God is a keeper. God is able to keep. Has anybody ever experienced God as a keeper? Where you should have lost your mind. Where you should have been plum crazy. Where you should have gave up. But somewhere along the line, a second wind kicked in and it's God keeping you. So when we got into Dallas... I was checking into the hotel and my boys were there because it was his, my Jeremy's birthday. And so they were playing somewhere and Ty was playing with them. And, and I was sitting there talking with the guy that was checking me in and he takes my credit card and on my credit card says Epiphany Church. And so he says, are you a pastor? And I said, yes, sir. And he began to keep checking me in and I'm looking around. There's other hotel guests checking in. There's a lady to the right of me and she was checking people in. And by the time he got done giving me my keys, he said, can I pray for you? 
Now, that has never happened to me while I was checking in the hotel. And I'm like, sure, please. And so he comes in, he prays, and he prays two things that I think were prophetic. No, I know were prophetic. The first one was he prayed for the finances of our church. I ain't talked with him about the finances of our church. And the second thing he prayed for was strength. And I was sitting there going, God, why are you praying for strength? I'm good. I slept the whole flight coming. All three and a half hours I slept. So why is he praying for strength? But it was a few hours later in that same lobby when I got the call that Elijah didn't make it. And then God brought it back. I'm keeping you. See, before you even got to the hardship, I had somebody pray for strength. It's me keeping you. You got to understand that we serve a God that keeps us, that preserves us, that cares for us. He cares about your situation because I serve a keeper. So Jude says, now unto him who's able, don't question his ability. He's able. What is he able to do? He's able to keep us, meaning God's got you. I know it don't feel like it. I I know that situation feel like it's going to take you out. God's got you. Hold on a little bit longer so you can build a testimony. God's got you. He goes on in verse 24 and says, now unto him who was able to keep you. But I love this from stumbling and to present you. You know, this idea, I I originally uh, memorized this verse in in King James Version. And it says, now unto him who uh, is able to keep you from falling. But I love the way the ESV today says it. Because it's a stumbling. In other words, stumbling precedes falling. God doesn't just keep you from falling on your face. God is able to keep you on your feet. And there there are times this week that I was ready to give up. There were times this year where I was ready to give up. Can we be honest? There were times I questioned the faith. Questioned if we were doing the right thing. But then I look at this verse and I'm like, God is able to keep us. And he keeps us what? From stumbling. But the same God that is able to keep you while on earth is the same God that's able to present you in heaven. It says he presents us as blameless. And I love this idea because what happens is many of us live life thinking we'll never stand before God. But but if I understand this verse right, none of us will escape the judgment seat of God. All of us have a, a, a date where we have to stand before an inspection, before a holy God. But what I love about the believer is we stand with the insure assurance that we are presented as a beautiful, shiny trophy, despite the fact that you got flaws, despite the fact that you messed up, despite the fact that you can be blamed for a lot. This text says he presents you as what? Did y'all, are y'all reading that? See, the reason you're not rejoicing is because you think you're blameless without Christ. But without Christ, you can be blamed for a lot this morning. But with Jesus Christ, even though I messed up, even though I've made wrong decisions. And this is the part that I really rejoiced over. Because I, yes, I rejoice over the fact that he's able. Yes, I rejoice over the fact that he's keeping me. But I rejoice over the fact that he's going to present me one day as blameless. Meaning all of the sins that I've ever committed on the cross have been washed away. Did you hear me say all that one sin that, you know, was trifling. It was dysfunctional. Nobody else knows about. It's just you and the Lord. That sin, if you trusted in Jesus, was covered over 2000 years ago. And I don't know why you're not rejoicing. 
Maybe you can find somebody else that presents you like Jesus. Ain't nobody presenting you like Jesus does. I love the song that they just sang. Let all the other names fade away. Buddha can't present you like Jesus. Confucius don't present you like Jesus. The government and God knows Trump ain't presenting you like Jesus. Jesus presents you and he presents you as blameless. Do you realize what blameless means? It means you have no sin. Back in the Old Testament, in order to prepare a sacrifice to be given to God, you got to understand you had to pick the right animal. You could not pick an animal that had spots, that had that wrinkles, that had that 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 had disformities. You couldn't present that to God because God is too holy to take dysfunction. And so you had to present, which makes Jesus so dope because Jesus goes to a cross. Nobody else can do this. Jesus goes to a cross and does not have to die for his own sin because he was sinless. But then he goes to a cross and the blameless life of Jesus really should have been reserved for him and him alone. But it wasn't reserved for him. He gets on the cross and he gives you that blamelessness and he takes on your sin. And he stands before his father as though he lived like you and you get presented as though you live like Jesus. Praise to the lamb that takes away my sins. All praise to Jesus that takes away my spots and my blemishes and washes all of the wrong that I've ever done. The shame that I'm, I'm, I don't even want to tell you about. All of that has been washed away in Jesus. So the Bible says that he takes you and he presents you and he does it a certain way. He presents you as blameless. Here's why I'm rejoicing. Even in the death of Elijah, I get to know with assurance that he's presented that's blameless. You, you know, there's a part in, in, in David's walk where David sleeps with Bathsheba and he gets her husband Uriah killed. And in the midst of that, uh, that, 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 uh, that, that sin, they conceive a child. But God is like, yeah, you're, you're going to be punished for this sin. So how am I going to punish you? I'm taking your son. And the Bible says that he prayed and he cried and he fasted and God took David's one and his only son at that time. But here's what's interesting. David says something so key that most people miss. He says in the midst of the death of his son, don't miss it. I'll see him again. How can you have that type of insurance that you'll see him again? Because Jesus later on will say, don't suffer the children to come to me for the kingdom is theirs. You got to understand that, you know, Elijah, he might have had struggles here on earth. He might have had hardships walking. He might have had hardships talking. But in heaven, he's talking In heaven. He's walking because he's presented as though he has no spots, as though he's blameless. Now, the, 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 the part I'm trying to really get us to is the end of the verse because he ends with a bang. He says, yes, he's able. He's able to do what? Yes, he's able to keep you. And not only that, but he presents you as blameless. But here's the best part of the verse. He says, presents us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. I don't know about y'all, but I need some joy today. And the only place I can find joy is in the presence of God. Because the scriptures tell me that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. I love this verse because it's not just giving you joy. Please read the text. It says, great joy. Like you, only the believer in the midst of hardship can conjure up joy. 
And let me suggest to you that the joy in the text is not just the joy of the presented. It is the joy of the presenter. Do you realize that one day the Bible says that with the joy set before Jesus that he endured the cross. Do you realize one day he will stand and he will watch you standing before God and he'll say, look at the redeemed. These are my people with joy. He'll present you. Why do you not have joy right now? Well, what is it that's zapping your joy? What is it that's taking your 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 place of Zen? And let me present to you that you can get it back today. We we had a heavy first service, but I got joy even in the midst of heaviness. Joy in the midst of heaviness. So if you get nothing else, you need to get the fact that he's able. If you get nothing else, you need to get the fact that he keeps you. He's a keeper. If you get nothing else, you need to understand that he presents you. If you get nothing else, know that he's the place of joy. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I think all of us could use joy today. I think all of us are on the altar today. But I'll go so far as to say I think the joy that is needed is not just in this room. We need to send it down to Jersey. Down to Ed and Tisha's house. Father, I pray, oh God, for everybody in this room. Father, we aren't prepared for this type of hardship. We, we, we can't prepare for it. But we trust you. And those of us in this room that might be still shaken, may we grieve and grieve well. Lord, may no one tell us to get over grieving. Don't rush our grief. But Father, you took time when Lazarus died, even though you knew you would raise him. You knew you would raise him. You still took time to weep. And enter into an emotional state and you could have been disconnected because you knew the power that was in your hand. You knew the power that was in your words. Not to grieve is abnormal. So, Father, would you help us? Father, I pray for strength for this room. I've been praying that all day. I pray that you would give us strength. Strength to be able to make it through. Father, and even as the funeral approaches us, definitely need your strength pray that the keeping power of you would wrap your arms around this family right now and the questions that they have oh God and the confusion that they have may they look to you and they not try to find solace in places that they shouldn't may they look to you you're the able you're the only one able to keep us and present us so we thank you in christ's name we pray amen